All right, everybody. Thanks to uh, thanks for joining Kafaru Cast. Uh, I got Frank the Tank across from me. Yo, what's up? And we have got the great Rod Jenkins uh, on the horn today to talk about uh, all kinds of things archery. Rod, what's what's happening, man? Thanks for coming on again. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Good to talk to you again. Um, yeah, it's th- this time of year, there's nothing happening but coaching. Clinics, clinics. I think I'm gone. Uh, five weeks in a row, and, and and the days I'm home, I got somebody coming in. So it's that time of year. Everybody trying to fix all their problems and get ready for next year. What well, it's funny you bring that up because that's what uh, that's what you're on here for t- today. We recently, which I think you know, we did a podcast with uh, Dwayne Martin and uh, Cody Greenwood, where we talked about you know uh, clickers, uh, psycho triggers, things like that, and. I the response from that has been unbelievable on on my end uh but there was a lot of you know more in-depth questions things we wanted to talk about that that I really wanted to get you on here and this isn't just for for traditional archery this is compound as well as the way the human brain works but sure. I wanted to sure. fi- fire a bunch of questions off at you scenarios and dr- I get a ton of questions on on drilling it seems like I have not I've done a disservice on podcasts, not mentioning the drills that I, that I work on and ones that you teach, um, sure. kind of cover all, all of that. And, uh, you know, but just, just, just pick your brain. Um, now have you had a chance to listen to the podcast with, uh, with Dwayne or talk to him at all or any of the, the things that have been going on? I've, uh, actually I was coaching while all this was going on and then, you know, it's been a big blow up on, you know, people saying, well, it, you know, I should be able to do this. It's, you know, whatever. And, um, so I've, I've heard what, what's happened, but no, I haven't listened to podcasts. Well, and I, if you've heard it. that's, you've, you've heard enough. I, you know, my perspective yeah. on this doesn't yeah. have anything to do with the competitive side so much. My, my personal sure. feeling sure. on this is I really am happy that I put a clicker on my bow. It was something, and you're familiar with Tom Clum. He suggested it. Um, you know, but, sure. but, but, but my point was like long term, um, maybe one out of a hundred, maybe a half of a person out of a hundred, it won't become, well, a few different things. And I want to get your take on this as well, but a clicker to collapse, you'll become a slave to the clicker or you'll get clicker panic. How, how many out of a hundred yeah. would you say that, that, that is not going to have one of those three things happen with a clicker on? You know, in my experience, and of course I've been coaching a long time and then competing for a long time since the 70s, you know. And I'd say you're probably being generous in that 99.5% out of 100. I mean, you may get one guy of 100 that's strong enough mind that he doesn't succumb to uh, clicker panic or, you know, collapse timer or all the, the, the negative things. But I, I kind of doubt there's actually one per 100. It'd probably be more like one per 250 maybe well and i'm i'm glad you said that and i want to make sure the people that are tuning in this is not nor was Dwayne's a podcast bashing clickers i i personally feel and i don't i don't know i think i know your feeling they are a great training aid but you have to have uh, an escape absolutely. route absolutely you you got to have an exit absolutely. strategy to 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 get and what i happen with me is for example, I ripped my clicker off on a hunt through the brush, and that was when the light popped on because I was in total freaking panic. 
and I'm like, why the hell do I need this freaking metal thing to shoot my bow? What what the what the fuck is wrong with me? And it literally, I was running into a panic attack that the clicker wasn't hooked up, and and then I started like micro collapsing. And now you had to have it on slow mo, but I was I was and you you actually caught that. So yeah. m- my point is, whether it's legal or not, I really don't care on the tournament side of things. I'm not saying that's not important, but for me. Yeah. To have true control of your shot, you should be able to shoot with a clicker off or a clicker on in any circumstance, and you should be working on drills, form, um, and things of that nature and use the clicker as a training aid, not as a as a crutch. Um, what are your feelings on that? Well, you know, I, I'm clicker trained, uh, and I, I've used one when I was competing in the offseason to get that feel and to make sure I was pulling through, setting a draw length, getting the draw length right. And, um, you know, and, and I've used one for years. Not They are great training aids, but the odds are if you're using it to fix target panic, which a lot of people are, is the target panic because you, you don't change how you how you set up the shot, how you drill to perform the shot. And your shot sequence is generally not in order. So that's what caused the target panic. So now you get a little, you know, you get some relief because you've got a clicker. But it, it's coming back, and it's going to be a lot worse and harder to fix the second time. So having having said that, uh, a lot of the feedback that we, we got was this was uh, the first time anybody talked about, uh, obviously in the mainstream podcast and everything, everybody talks about clickers. Nobody really discusses clicker panic. Um, you know, the the, right. the, the the clicker, the time, the, the collapse timer. So right. I'm going to just kind of fire off some scenarios that I went through uh, in some drills okay. that I've learned from you and others, what Tom Clum and others, that I think right. get overlooked because all people see on social media is me shooting at 40 and 50 yards and they skip all the hard work. Um, yeah. And, and then you kind of just fire back with your – uh, you know, your knowledge base. So when, when I first put a clicker on, uh, it was for two things. One was a draw check, um, you know, to make sure I was hitting the same draw. And two was a semi-psycho trigger, letting me know to, you know, to fire the arrow. The, the one thing I found was in the first month, my groups, uh, I sucked in like crazy. Um, you know, in, in my, my, my draw length was consistent and I got to a point where I actually could fire that clicker, you know, off of a fraction of a, of a centimeter is how, how tight that tolerance needed to be for that clicker. Um, you know, for, for me to actuate it, I actually would almost push my bow arm forward a hair to, uh, to, to, to get it to, uh, to engage. What ended up happening, though, is clicker, clicker anticipation. The first time it happened was on a hunt, and I was on a very steep slope. I could not get it to actuate, which caused me to pluck the holy ever-living hell out of the string because I just hit clicker panic. I just, blah, and kind of went right, yeah. Peter, Peter Brain. That sure. was what basically was like, okay, if I can't, fi- if I can't fire this clicker off and I am so, such a slave to it, what do I need to do to get rid of this almost like Alcoholics Anonymous? What are my 12-step processes to shit can this clicker and just use it occasionally as a training aid? Um, and, and so that's what I did. I went to the drawing board, and I just started working 
I set up one bow with it, one without it. Um, I drill real hard, keeping my, my, my hand to my face, some of my downfalls. But then what I would do is I would go shoot a, a 20 target 3d course with the clicker and I'd shoot 20 targets without the clicker. And I wanted my sure. score to be as good or better without the clicker and, and make sure that I was perform executing the shot with good back tension and, uh, you know, with and without the clicker. What would you say for, for anybody that's having that clicker panic and, and some of the downfalls of it and then how to get off of it, how to wean yourself off of that clicker? Well, like you say, the downfalls is under pressure. Now it doesn't work. You, you know, you, you clicker is everything's working great. You can pull right through it one day. You go outside the next day. Now you change your priority. Now it's I, I want to shoot a great practice rounds i want to shoot better than i did yesterday but now you can't get the clicker to go off because you change your priority where the priority i've always been is it should have always been about how well do i execute this shot sequence and you know the the cure for target panic and and the fix for shooting a clicker really well is the same thing it's a solid shot sequence in order and 100 percent faith in it so are you following me I am. I have a question okay. on for both of you guys. Does this sure. uh, does this equate also to uh, compound shooting? Because um, just think, thinking about this when Absolutely. when I uh, Absolutely. so Aaron Aaron kind of introduced me to the the hinge releases, and when I started shooting a hinge, I was shooting it with a with the click sure. on there, and I felt like my right. my shooting got really got quite a bit better. It improved a lot, and then I noticed after a little while. I kind of got used to it a little bit more. Maybe I got lazy, but at a certain point it stopped improving. So I think one thing that Aaron suggested was either to get two releases with uh, different timing on, you know, on the moon there where, when it would go off or just turning, flipping the moon over and removing the click. Is that, so that does equate to compound shooting? On, on my end, sure. it 100% is the exact same thing because you will get clicker panic on a compound that when the moment that thing clicks where it first is your savior, now it's your enemy because the moment it clicks, you go into a panic mode or right. can eventually. Rod, are you, right. what, what are your feelings on that? Uh, yeah, I've slow mowed a lot of guys. And when the clicker actually click, they close both eyes, you know, and you do it in slow motion, they're closing both eyes. They're dreading the whole thing. They've got, you know, they're a slave to it, but then they anticipate the click. And it's natural for all of us in archery to anticipate something. I try to get everyone to anticipate because everyone's going to do it, anticipate the conclusion of the shot. And that way the arrow's already out of the boat before you do it. So it's just a different mindset on what you're going to anticipate. So let's let's go with with Frank's question, come full circle. Now this is whether you're shooting for money or with your buddies and gambling or you're hunting. When you get under pressure... Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, (laughs) under pressure situations, shit goes downhill, everything changes. And so if you, for example, Frank, that click on your hinge release. Now I I will say with a, I don't, I don't get clicker panic with a back tension, but, but I've seen people get it. What that says immediately when that clicks is that's an anxiety trigger. I have just crossed Mm -hmm. the threshold where the shot's about to go off. And now 
you might grip the bow a little harder. You may push your nose a little bit harder into the string. You're, you're going to start muscling up and trying to force the pin float to stop, which is impossible. That is the same thing when you're anticipating that clicker to go off, for me anyway, on the stick bow. And so Absolutely. hypothetically, 45-degree shot angle, and you're at 42 yards with a compound and 28 with a stick on a mule deer. If you're drawing the recurve and you're pulling and you're not thinking about shooting the deer, you know, your brain is on the clicker, you've lost the battle. Because now you're like, please click, please click, please click. The same thing with a compound. Go ahead. And the the problem with that uh, being focused on trying to make the clicker execute is click, click, click. The biggest problem is, is you're no longer aiming. You're no longer aiming. Because now you're thinking about the clicker. You're back here at the hand. You're everywhere but aiming. And bad things happen when you don't aim. You know, it's like in a competition world, we always said aimers always win. Everybody else is just donating. I like that because I'm an aimer, yeah. so I'm all about I, that. <laughs> right. Our friend you, you know, Luke is a donator. Thing with, uh, you know, having problems getting through the clickers, now you're no longer aiming. You're thinking about making it click. You know, the same guy with a, uh, even without a clicker, if he's got his fingers on the string and, and he's trying to think about relaxing the hand, he's thinking about everything but aiming. So now his mind is, his focus is on the back of the hand trying to relax it to get off the string and he's not aiming. So that's where all bad things happen. You, you know, with, like with the hinge, we were talking about the hinge and, and of course, then we jump back off on, you know, Rainbow clickers, limb clickers, or whatever. You know, you know what the key to all of them to execute perfectly every time, and that's just having absolute control over back tension. And, and that's the part that gets left out is people try to shoot uh, some sort of uh, clicker, fake clicker, a hinge, and but they don't know how, and, and they should have learned how before they ever put it on or got a hinge, you know. Let's, that's what I was going to bring up. Let's, let's talk about that a a little bit where knowing how, like what I get a ton and and where this, you know, generated with, with, uh, you know, with Dwayne was some different questions people had as far as what's legal and not legal on, um, you know, sanctioned shoots. But what brought it up for me is, uh, for more of the hunting side of things and what I went through, putting that clicker on kind of a savior and then kind of became the devil was right. the the yeah. exit strategy and the down downfalls to a clicker. I think um, a, a ton of, I think it helps a ton of different people, but when your mind becomes more more worried about the clicker than it is about aiming on right. the shot, you, you have gone to a a place that is hard to recover from, meaning <clears throat> hypothetically deer stand, tree stand, spot and stock or whatever. If every time you go to full draw, the first thing you're thinking of is please click, you're not thinking right. about aiming. Same, same lost thing. the game before it ever started. Exactly. And so when people ask me, like, hey, I put the clicker on, but I'm still having all these problems, <clears throat> well, the clicker doesn't fix everything. One, it's got to be set up correctly, so on and so forth. But you still have to have mental control to, in, in my opinion anyway, and I'd be interested to get your take on it, there's nothing wrong with that clicker not clicking if you have made a conscious decision to fire the shot with good form and good tension. 
if it, let's say, a super steep uphill or downhill angle, you should be able to fire the exact same way whether the clicker clicks or not. I, do you agree Absolutely. with that or do you disagree? Absolutely. That's uh, And kind of jumping back to wherever, when people talk about clickers, they always go to the Olympians and they all use clickers. You know, that, that that's a story. But they're also trained to, the click is not necessarily means they fire, it just means they're ready to. And they can choose to, if the shots are ranged, they can, you know, they can choose to stop holding the string or they can choose to let out or they can, can choose to continue with back tension until the shot breaks. But they're in control, you know, and they're trained to be in control. So what would you say as far as control um, I know what I did to get rid of the clicker. Um, when I say get rid of, I know what I've done, meaning to train with it, but be able to kick the habit, so to speak, to where, uh, you know, I'll film myself shooting 20 targets with the clicker and 20 without, right. dissect it, drill, you know, practice. So what sure. would you say is a good, some of the good drills to work on uh, with a clicker and to get rid of the clicker? Um you know, as, as far as, like, weaning yourself off it. Well, yeah, yeah the drawing drills where you, you set up to draw the bow efficiently instead of most people drawing with their arm or their shoulders, learn to draw the bow with the back uh, and, and maintain control over it. That That's a good drill to have it. And then expansion drills to where you can, uh, you can activate the rhomboids to rotate, you know, get the movement to rotate the elbow around to make a clicker go with or without at will and um you know instead of most of the people i, I look on the internet and guys shooting a clicker they're just drawing over their arm they pull a little bit further it clicks and then collapsing four inches or three inches you know so those two drills would be a, a big start but you it kind of goes a little deeper than that you, you need to have an absolute shot sequence and you need to drill each part of it to have that absolute confidence that you're right at the breaking point and, and you do have control because you, you can't trick the subconscious. You can work on two things and get really well of it, but under pressure, the subconscious knows, well, you didn't really work on your bow hand. You got a problem, you know? No, I, I gotcha. So, for, you know, one of the things that um, I, I got a lot of questions about in the last 24 hours and not necessarily questions, comments was, Man, I'm glad someone finally uh, someone finally said it. I'm having the same issues you discussed. Was that clicker anticipation? Um, sure. You know, so you know they were asking me, and I, I am not a, a good coach. I, I don't have the patience for it, um, which is why you're on here. For me, what I did is I'm a big fan of blind bail shooting. I it, that's sure. not the cure all sure. for everything, but I I like to to get up there at four or five feet and just work on drills, and I put something beside my hand to make sure my hand's staying close to my face. I put my, my iPhone on me on slow-mo so I can pick apart the shot, and I'm not worried about pin float or anything initially. I'm just worrying about form and, and shot execution and back tension um, and just, just firing away and trying to build, I don't say muscle memory, but get comfortable with the whole shot execution before I even begin sure. to step outside at distance. Now, that's yeah. what I'm telling them. What would you tell them as far as weaning off that, that thing? That's a basically the same thing I tell them and tell everyone. You know, in clinics, I get guys with target panic, with 
flickers, if they're not shooting well or whatever. And I basically try to tell them, you know, a solid shot sequence that you developed on the blank veil and, and gain confidence in with a bridge program is the same fix for target panic or clicker panic or whatever. Is It's the same thing that creates world-class shooters. So like you, I try to get everyone because the fastest way to learn anything, any one step in an archer sh- a shot sequence, is on the blank bail where you've got no aiming, no uh, you, you don't have to hit anything, turn the bail into an arrow catcher to the target. Now you can focus on one thing, one thing. If you got a bow hand problem, fix the bow hand. Work on, work on all the steps. And um, so blank bail is a good way to do it. And for most people that's having real problems with getting to the clicker, that expansion drill, learning to expand, making that move, and um, it, on a blank bail is, a, is the best way to learn it, you know. And, of course, you've got drills to do um, to learn to activate the muscle, but, you know, to, to actually execute it and make it pull, blank bail is the best place to do that, you know. In, in, with the compound of Frank, I'm sure you've heard me say this generally, and this is a very oversimplified way to put it, but you're, you're, you're getting ready to shoot, the clicker goes off, and your, your clicker goes in your right hand, your brain tells your right hand, uh, or your right hand tells your brain, however you want to look at it, the clicker just went off. And if you're not yeah. in mental control of that, immediate anxiety hits, and then your right hand starts sure. to force the shot, and then it'll, it may right. punch it. And then your right hand tells your brain, I just shot the bow, and your brain tells your left hand, holy shit, he shot the bow, and then he peaks or tweaks or torques, flings it out of the way. Um, the same thing happens from what I've seen on the with the recurve. Same general principle. And so yeah, it does. Tape, taking aiming and pin float or, or, or whatever you want to call it out of the equation uh, helps me personally build that, that muscle. I don't know if you want to call it muscle memory, but that textbook uh, alignment, textbook back tension, textbook everything, and ge- keeping my brain out of the equation, so to speak. Now, am I explaining that correctly? Because I am not a coach at your level. That is what I try to tell people is get your brain out of it to a certain degree until you're comfortable with the motion and the movement. Well, I, I wouldn't so much say brain, but get aiming out of it because we all learned to shoot a bow the same way. We picked up and wanted to hit something. And we got better. But then we had problems, so but we still try to just shoot and hit something to fix a problem. I mean, how many times have you seen guys out there working on, say, their release hand or whatever they're working on, but they keep shooting at a target to try to fix that? And the way we're wired is we're always in an aim. You know, that's what we're going to be doing or thinking about. And then you, and we back off of aiming, trying to think about this problem, and we no longer aim. We just create a, a cluster, you know. It's just it's terrible. So, kind of like you're saying, is it, break it down to one specific part on the black belt. Oh, I, I know I repeated that because it's that important. I was it, just gonna say you should probably not rep- trying to do the en- <laughs> right, not do the entire shot, but just pick out the one piece, all the pieces, and fix those, and then you're ready. And of course, then you gotta. You know, you got to gain confidence because everything's brand new, so the subconscious wants to do what it's always done. So we've got a bridge program that does that, where you introduce aiming in small increments. and So it's, it's a little bit more complicated that, but you're exactly on track on what I try to do. So on the aiming portion, I'm curious now, 
you know, what I'm telling people, if it's bad juju or good one, I always, when I'm, when I'm, when you say the bridge program, when I'm working people back up, I start them with a larger target. And so pin float isn't as much anxiety in their head. If their pins staying in a paper plate, it gives them kind of a false sense of hope or to a certain degree, but it, it, it takes some anxiety as they get more and more comfortable to have a bigger target at first. Am I giving bad advice or is that, I mean, how would your feelings? there? You no, know, that's, that, that's exactly the way, um, you know, I learned to bridge from a, a, a great coach called Lenny Cardinelli and he was a master at blank bail and the bridge and in the seventies, eighties, he, he was a man. But, and I do it basically like he did, does, is, um, large target. And, and you don't try to put, you know, guys will, uh, will try to shoot one hole in the middle and try to hit it the rest of the day. All you want to do when you're training is have the ability to execute that shot you developed on the black belt and hit the target somewhere because the subconscious gives you credit and you gain confidence no matter where, as long as you call a if you call a 55-gallon drum lid a target and you hit it, your subconscious accepts that you can hit a target and execute. So you're absolutely it. right with a bigger target, bigger well, target. Well, Frank, at one point in time, uh, he and I were at, at Bear Creek Lake, and I think we were shooting like a Reinhardt 18-1 and one at, what, 80 or 100 yards. And Frank looked yeah. over to me, and I think you said something to the nature of, I can't believe you can hold your pin in the middle of that. And, uh, is no, that a, don't have to be. Well, Frank, what did I turn Go around ahead. and tell you? <laughs> yeah, that was the first time that I ever started to, I guess that's when I started to understand the concept of your pin doesn't always hold on the target. It floats. And I try to tell that to my friends as well. And they probably look at me the same way I looked at Aaron. I was like, what? And then you're like, oh, okay. Once you can take that out of your mind, you don't, it's, I think that might take out the anticipation or the, the want to punch the trigger. It, in what I explained Absolutely. to Frank, I said, Frank, my pin is nowhere near holding in the center of that. It's all over the place, but I'm accepting the pin float, focusing on aiming, right. and subconsciously right. the arrow goes where I want it to most of the time anyway, but it's accepting that movement or that float so your bot, the anxiety doesn't take over and you do something stupid which is where the bigger target comes into play um from for, for me and it sounds like rod you're pretty much on the same boat with that so well re- I, I got a story i tell all the time if I get, we got time uh, about uh trust in the float if we got time i'll tell this real quick we got time we got all the time in the world we're helping okay. people <laughs> uh you know i would i I, caught, I shot across the course position rifle, service rifle, and all that stuff. And was a pretty good shooter one time. And but um, the the offense stage, you know, 200 yards uh, is always a tough game because you're moving, you're moving, the wind's blowing, and it's like I was saying, no one can be perfectly still except dead people. You know, everybody else is moving. And, and there was an old guy, and I was on a practice range just down there shooting all the rounds I could, trying to figure out a way to actually not punch that trigger. Doing the same thing you do with a compound, or you dump the fingers, or however. It was a strain. And, um, but anyway, and I swung over here, and I'm watching this old guy, and his, you know, I was young and strong then. 
he was floating and moving. His body was moving. Wind was blowing him around as bad or worse than me. And I swung my spot scope over, and he probably shot 40 shots. But then he was clean. He was clean. All all the shots in the middle of the bull, you know. And I'd never even seen anything like that. And uh, so he got ready to go. And I asked him, I said, just just tell me how you do that. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And he looks at me, and he, he looks just, you know, with a non, any expression in his eyes, said, it's easy. I don't really give a damn if I hit it or not. And he just kept walking. <laughs> so I, I started thinking right then, what was he trying to tell me? What was he trying to tell me? What was he trying to tell me? And it took me a month or so, and I finally figured out that he was all about his execution. In other words, he was going to, he was going to hold the best he could, but he realized that the sights, you know, his iron sights weren't ever going to be steel. He could not hold it steel, especially in a crosswind, and we can't with a bow either. And um, so, it, it, but it didn't have to be. He he did not. He started his trigger squeeze. He never anticipated, and the subconscious would make the correction as long as he could keep his mind in the middle. In other words, he could focus on the center of the target. Not think about anything else, not think about trigger squeeze. So he'd already trained himself to do that. All he had to do was focus on the middle of the target. And I seen him a couple of months later and I said, um, I figured out what you told me. And he grinned and said, what's that? And I said, you're all about execution and control of what you had control over. And you just let it float and knew the subconscious corrected. And he grinned. He said, you may make it yet. I won the Nationals that year. <laughs> so well, that, little, that little part changed everything I've done, and it changed everything I've done about archery is trust in the float. It, it, and that's what I was going to ask you. It was that tidbit or that little bit that that was kind of the eye-opener of, all right, as long as I execute my right. shot, just let the pin right. float with, subconsciously. It'll go where I want it. With no anticipation, none of those stuff, if you just execute your shot, the way you've trained yourself to do and trust it, you'll hit where you're very close or what you're aiming at, even at long, long distance. And you know. Frank, that's pretty much what I had told you was I just let the pin float, Absolutely. execute my shot, sure. and it generally goes in the middle. Not all the time. I mean, shit happens, wind blows, you have a bad shot. But, I mean, generally, it'll go, yeah. uh, you know, at 80 yards for me, I'd say probably a six-inch circle, give or take, maybe a pie plate that I can keep it in there with a yeah. compound with a stick bow. Same thing, and if you film me, and this is where I talk about clicker anticipation. If I sat there, and this is where it was really start, because I got a range at my house, and out there at 40, 42 yards, whatever it was, my point on, if I shot six shots in a row, or even 12 shots, one of those shots, something would go a little bit awry, and that clicker wouldn't go off when I had uh, deemed it necessary to, meaning my, my shot sequence was thrown off a little bit, because that clicker didn't go, and then that's when the clicker anxiety would happen because I went from aiming to thinking. And when I say thinking, I'm thinking, why hasn't this clicker clicked? And then you do spastic shit or you'll do a micro collapse. Um, right. And when I say spastic. You lost focus. Yes, exactly. And when I say spastic shit, people are like, what are you talking about? Hand flying out to my right, bow arm peeking low left. Nothing that would have anything remotely close to do to solid form and execution because I went from aiming to thinking. 
and and that's how I put it. Uh, when I say thinking, I'm thinking about everything at that point now, but aiming when I should be thinking about aiming uh, personally. Yeah. So, yeah, pe- I'm I'm the same thing. You know, I practice all week to have have those tournament wise to have those one or two or three or four days to where I've got nothing to do but aim. You know, that's all I got to do. And, 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 and hunting trips, you know, I've hunted with a lot of guys. They get up in the morning and we're getting dressed and getting ready to go out or whatever. And they, they're nervous and worried about missing. Well, I can miss things as well as anybody else, but I, I know all I got to do is aim all day. You know, that's all I got to do because I've developed a shot and that's kind of what everybody needs to do instead of finding a band aid to try to, to make a shot. You got to develop a shot and it takes work. So let's talk. No, no, you're right. Let's talk about the band aid. Uh, and this was something I brought up multiple times because I suffered from it myself was the band aid. If you truly are going to have full control of your shot, you should not need to, there shouldn't be the band-aid of the clicker to to have full control. You should be able to shoot with a clicker or without a clicker. Um, Absolutely. And what what ended up happening to me, and this was way more in hunting situations, when it was right, it was right and it was on the money. Meaning if I went on a stock, I was in a tree stand, everything went smooth, I'd fire that clicker off, I have tape wrapped around, it was super quiet, golden. When things didn't go right, or let's say the animal stood behind a tree for a second, or he started stomping and looking up, and then my mind is is, is elsewhere, and now I'm pulling and pulling and pulling because I got thrown off of my my game, I guess you could say, right. and now I'm thinking about, please click, please click, please right. click. And right. I documented this. Very rarely did I hit shit once my went, mind went to please click. So... Yeah, you're more likely to hit the tree, the deer run behind, as you have once you think about making a click versus aiming and letting it click. Right. And so, what I did to to kind of solve this issue was I set up both bows. I set up two, one with a clicker and one without, and even maybe in the middle of a 3D course, because I am pretty anal on the the my clicker as far as it's it's on the money every time as far as perfect form on flat ground, uh, meaning. I, I can execute that clicker, you know, within a millimeter or less of, of, of perfect. And, and I'm not explaining that very well, but you're not in perfect situations all the time, uphill, downhill. So what right. I started doing, Shorten the draw length, so exactly. Yeah. Go ahead, excuse me. No, no, I'm glad you're throwing things in. I mean, I'm, I'm going to miss stuff. I just want to make sure that you're going to tell me I'm stupid or I'm smart. And if I should change anything, I went back in and I took the clicker off totally and I just blind bailed over and over and over filming myself, making sure there was nothing wonky. Everything was good. I started at 10 yards and I'd fire 10, 15 arrows, make sure I was comfortable. I'd go back to 20, uh, you know, just working on making sure nothing's changing without that clicker. And then I would go fire, you know, shoot 20, 30 target course, watching each shot, kind of documenting and trying to keep my, my crap together, meaning, you know, get, um, I'm, I'm breaking myself from needing to hear that click before I fire the shot. Then the next day right. I would go fire the same thing. I'd shoot 10, 15, 20 targets with the clicker and I'd gradually move to where I'd shoot the clicker once every three or four days and, uh, the, the without the clicker the other days and kind of weaned myself off right. of it, but also blind bailing daily. And also what the other drill I call the hand drag drill, 
where I've got my, my hand, I've got a tripod with an arm sticking out to where if I come away from my face, I hit that tripod helps me keep it close to my face. Am I giving bad advice or doing the right thing there? Um, other than the, 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 something to hold your hand from coming out from your face, I, I think it's a better way to handle that. Other, all your other advice is, is point on. To get off a clicker is start training to be off a clicker. And then you shoot a clicker better either when you've got one on the bow and then you shoot shots without it. And, and at some point, you don't really need it because, I mean, seriously, if you've got the fortitude to make a clicker go click, you've also got the fortitude to get to conclusion, which, you know, your back tension is never interrupted. You aim all the way to the shot, which is a better place. So if you can do one, you can do the other, but you have to train to get there. Um, yeah, the hand flying out, that's, that's simply a control of uh, expansion drill fixes that without you know, need the apparatus to make your hand come out because if you're pulling and pulling all the way through the shot, the hand cannot come out. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And believe me, that has been – well, you've watched me shoot. I don't have a problem with aiming or anything. I just – my hand comes sure. out. You know, that that's my big right. – and I've I've worked – some of it was flexibility. Some of it was being a dumb shit. Um, you know, and I, I've worked on that. The problem is, yeah. though, is when I would get the clicker panic, the hand would really – come out because i would spaz out where i'd be pulling and it oh wouldn't yeah click. but that yeah no go ahead that's a that's a collapse so you know there's no apparatus going to stop that it's uh the, the collapse was because you 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 stopped pulling before you got to conclusion and and you've said that for for years i remember you saying that i think on a video probably 10 12 years ago when in doubt keep pulling um I, yeah yeah if you if you can't do anything else, pull harder. You know, <laughs> it's like your tallywhacker, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> pull, pull until yeah. conclusion. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Well, and 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 what? It, go ahead. Oh, I, I get guys. You know, they'll be at the world and they all nervous. And say they leading and they going in the championship round. They all nervous, so they always call me for advice. I'm not there. I hunt you down. You know. And my phone just lights up. And, and guys, the same thing with hunting, you know. Uh, I always use Denny Sturgis because he's my friend and, you know, he, he does shit. But, you know, he'll call me up every now and then. Or guys from tournament say, you know, I'm just not shooting good. There's just something wrong. We'll pull harder. Seriously, that's all I need to do? And, yep, that's all you need to do. And then Denny called me back. He said, did I tell you if you pull harder, you don't shoot any bad shots whatsoever? I said, yeah, <laughs> I seem like I've heard that somewhere before. Well, but, but, you know, it's just it's it, being careful is a problem. You know, you, you load that thing up, pull until it goes off, you know. So what what I personally have, have, have started doing, like I got a video I'm going to load up here, is I, I have the clicker on my, my bow, but I lengthen it. I leave it about an inch long, so I just pull it out you know, to the knot to where there's no way I can, you know, I'm not where I know I can't make it click. Absolutely. Perfect. And perfect drill, man. I've got a little silver Sharpie mark on the clicker if I need to bring it back. And so, and I'll, I'll load this video up in a minute. I shot 20 targets. I had Amy film me. We had two camera angles, one on me and one on the, the arrow, which generally I can tell how the arrow flies or how the other video is going to look. 
Uh, I lost my shit and I shot an eight on one of the targets out of the 20 without the clicker. But what I'm, what I'm looking at, you know, when I'm doing this or not looking at what I'm focusing on is when I draw back, I'm aiming the exact same way I always do. I get to my anchor point and I, when I say I'm executing back and keep back tension, I'm keeping tension. I'm doing all the things I should be doing, but I'm not worried about this click. What I'm worried about, you know, on, on, for me personally, when I've hit max expansion, that I'm just like a book slipping out of my hands. My hand comes freely right. back. My arm doesn't come out. And I, and right. the total package is there. And I've got a couple different camera angles. Now, what, what, what you'll notice if you really start doing this or what I've noticed, and I'll be curious to get your feedback, if I shoot without a clicker and I shoot 40 targets, I'll probably spaz out on one or two because I just, that's me. When I say spaz out, I'm going to have a little head movement. I'm going to do something stupid. I might, well, I generally never collapse, but I'll do something stupid where I'm going to shank maybe an eight. Um, right. What I've noticed is my groups are overall tighter and I'm a lot more, my, my groups without the clicker, I have a lot more twelves than I do with the clicker. And for sure. whatever reason, sure. when I, with that clicker, what it seems to be is there's that uh, state of purgatory with the clicker to where maybe the shot fires just about the time that I'm losing my um, attention span and I've gone to aiming and I've went to thinking and I still am okay, but my groups aren't as tight, but generally there's going to be one shot that I flub up to a five or a zero with the clicker because I've hit clicker panic to where my brain just goes to shit. Would you say that's pretty... Uh, you know, obviously you can't blueprint everything. Is that somewhat standard for everyone as they start to transition off a clicker? Uh, yeah, because they're taking out something that they've got used to and they have to replace it with something else. And the conclusion part of the shots, what they need to replace it with is getting past a let go and the conclusion. And, you know, the conclusion is just, not allowing any changes, all the muscles, everything in play and hold it long enough for the air to get out. But so on that, do you want to dive into the conclusion portion a little bit more to where your conclusion with a trigger or a clicker and your conclusion without one, like does that, is that different? How is that different? So people can kind of wrap their head around that. No, it absolutely shouldn't be any difference at all. If it's different, you got a real problem, but, uh, and that's the problem with the clicker. Sometimes it makes, uh, conclusion unimportant and it makes making the click the conclusion you, you know what it means well so no that's what i stop everything at the click right <laughs> that's what i wanted that's what i was hoping you would say right. is your conclusion uh, okay. is a click not an actual conclusion you're waiting for it to right. to click right that that's what most of it does and that turns into collapse every time it's, it becomes a collapse timer because we stop pulling we stop doing everything but the conclusion just simply uh, maintaining everything. You should have all the muscles in play. Everything you're pulling, you're pulling. The clicker breaks, or you somehow know to decide not to hold the string any longer. But and people use the word follow through, trying to explain conclusion. I think sometimes, but it's a terrible word because. It, if, if there's anything you build in the shot, we well, should already have it built in. And there's not time to do anything after the fingers stop holding strings. So 
it, it's just not allowing changes long enough for for the air to be off the bow where we can no longer affect it. You know, um, I, I use a shoulder touch because I used to shoot field in 80 yards. You'd get tired if you waited that long, but it's just not allowing changes long enough. Uh, for a guy bow hunting, shooting 3D, seeing their hit target is just a signal to the subconscious. Now you can stop pulling. You can allow changes. You can, it, it, it saves them. It covers a multitude of sins. Bow hand stays, just not allowing any changes. Do not have any changes from what you were at prior to the click or prior to the release and afterwards. Gotcha. So, uh, diving in a, a little bit, um, you know, uh, different angle here. Cause you've, you've given me crap about, uh, you know, standing up like a man. And I've had people ask me about the, the canting thing. And, and I want people to hear this so they know one where Rod's coming from one where I'm coming from and make sure that they have all the info out there to make a conscious decision. Um, when I first started shooting, I anchored the same way I did with my compound and I drew way back. I'm on the outside of my face and I'm anchoring under my ear. And for me, be able to look down the arrow like I want to, I have to cant my head over to look down the arrow. Yeah. For reality, you need to shorten your draw and find a different anchor. And, and that, well, no, that's that's right. No, Randy. Well, and, what I've told Rod, I'm like, I'm not going to start standing up like a man until I got more time because I'll have to shorten right, my draw. Get, Go ahead. I, I get it. And, and I'm not saying don't count the bow. I, I mean, I hunt in the thickets here in Alabama all the time. You know, you, you have to count the bow. But there's a, there's a good way to count. You can take that same shoulder position. And part of the reason you're flying out is because of shoulder angles just a little bit, you know, because the head's out. And, um, but you can take that same position of that upright shot that everybody's totally against. And then you can take that shoulder position and just bend it to waist. You can't, you can't flat, you can reverse can't, you can do all of, and have that alignment perfectly and, and still can't the bow however you want to. So let's, that's, uh, that's all I'm saying. We got to can't, but there's a good way to can't. Yeah. And that, this is leading up right to where I, uh, right to where I was hoping. So one of the uh, issues, and Rod just said it, was the way that I was, uh, the way that I'm canting is more prone to the hand flying out away from the face um, right? because of my alignment. Um, Absolutely. The thing is right now I'm shooting, and this is being totally honest, I'm shooting so good I'm too chicken shit to change until it's the off season. Because right. I'm one, my arrows are tuned and I'm going to be shortening my draw. So for all the people asking, if I was to go shoot competitively, seriously competitively, I would 100% shoot a vertical bow. I would shorten my draw. So I'm anchoring more towards maybe the corner of my mouth. So it's easier for me to get my eye over the arrow rather than on the outside of my face. Cause it can't be denied. Right. You're going to be more accurate shooting a vertical bow because I can't cant the same angle every time, especially if my toes are down here, I'm on a side hill, probably canting 30% right. more than I would be on flat ground, and I don't even know it. Sure. Having said that, I'm extremely accurate, and I've killed a ton of shit, and I'm too much of a pussy to stop uh, at this point. Well, <laughs> well, it, it's, uh, 
you know, you, you go into the season and you take the best you got and you don't try to fix it during the season or right before the season. You don't do changes. It's just like uh, I get guys all the time, you know, like it'll be a world championship somewhere or another, and they'll call me a week before, hey, you mind if I run down kind of tune up? Well, hell no. You don't want me in your head. You don't, you know, not a week before time. You, you don't want that. You don't want any changes. Take what you, you know, like what to say. Uh, you dance with the, the girl you brought. That's what, that's all you got going into the season. So, so having said that though, pick apart what I'm doing. Cause people, you know, people see watching me shoot online, kind of pick apart what, what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and what you would change if you had two or three months to, to break me down and build me back up? Well, the, the stance deal, it, it's what is it, it, trying to get the shoulders, say the bow hand through the bow shoulder to the back shoulder to the, the point of the draw elbow. Straight line, straight line, pointed at the target. When you, when you can't and, and lean over the, the bow and roll the arms up. Now your shoulders are no longer pointed at the target. They're pointed to the left all the time, right in each ear. You know, if you really check them, they point it off to the left. So um, you've got that. And, and the, the biggest issue is, like you said, the little the, the the hand coming away from the face, even when you don't collapse, is because that that bow shoulder or the draw shoulder rather is not aligned with the bow shoulder. So it's at an outward angle, and then at best, it's, it's got to come out because we're not in a straight line. In other words, with that shoulder moved, to, or excuse me, the elbow moved to the right, now the line of force is outside, so it has to come out a little bit. Yeah, and I've worked on flexibility, and I, I don't know if you, you, well, you probably don't pay attention to me that much. It's definitely gotten night and day different than where it was. But it's still not when, when the rubber meets the road and shit's gone downhill. I don't collapse. I don't. I don't stop aiming. But my hand will come yeah. out from my face. That 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 will happen. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. It, go ahead. Yeah, there's been a ton of guys can shoot really well that way. Uh, it, it's not optimum, and, and I tend to work toward ideal. But in reality, of it is it. You know, you, you may have to tune a little bit different with a, a slight, you know, hand coming out every time as long as you're pulling through the shot and it comes out because of alignment. And you're tuned for that, you know, you can make it work 100% of the time. E- everybody's got flaws. No one's perfect, but they do other things so well. And, and in your case, I think you aim so well. My, my bow arm and aiming. make up for all that. Yeah, my bow yeah, arm and aiming right. carries me. And and Randy yeah. has said that many times is yeah. you, I, you don't see my bow arm you, my bow arm does the same thing every time and I am an aimer. I always right. have been. Right. Um right. and that helps not to say I can't get you, you can always improve. It's just at this point and I'm only bringing this up so people listening that are emulating maybe that hunched over shot if I had to do it over again, I would have started out not not canting like you know not aiming down that arrow canting like i am but uh, but i've got what i've got and, and i'm too chicken shit to change and i and i wanted people to hear that because <laughs> if they can start out maybe on a little bit different you know path and having having said that it wasn't like uh this uh, with because with, as you know i'm very good friends with tom clum it wasn't like tom had me do this this is what i came no, up no. with on my own and it worked sure 
and I got so good at how I'm doing it, even though I know I could be better if I went back to the drawing board, I'm too chicken to do that. So don't copy the shit that I'm doing except the good stuff. Like it's not it's not the preferred method. But and I want to make sure people know that I'm just diligent enough with practice and too hard headed to stop. But it's not the preferred way. <laughs> yeah, and you know when I, I say uh, you know it, vertical vertical is better or the alignment from vertical is better. That doesn't mean I'm anti cant because I hunt in these thickets too. You know. And you have to you, you have to cant that bow. I hunt out of ladder stands, everything else. You know, you have to cant the bow to be able to shoot. But you know what I I try to preach is that same alignment. You can just bend from the waist, and there's, there's a really a good way to do it. You found a good way that works for you. Uh, you know, and yeah, too I, with everything. I'm not going to Vegas with my form either. My hell, my limb tip will be in the other lane. So people need to remember that yeah. too. It's flawed. I mean, it'll work, but it- yeah, you got, yeah, yeah, you got two foot and you're going to irritate the hell out of them, <laughs> slapping them over another line. Um, yeah. And, and I get that. And, and two, realistically on my best shooting days, I had some things that I did really well that weren't optimum. And I'd never, ever teach anyone that. What I try to do is teach folks. Everything I try to teach is works for a hundred percent of everybody, because those little things that I do with a bow that I can get by with, they may be five thousand people try that screwed up shit and actually shoot pretty well, you know. So that, that's the way we, we go about it, <laughs> you know. What works for a hundred percent of everyone, you know. Well, and you no, know, that makes total sense, and and. uh we're, we're getting close to an hour here. So while we're talking about that, can you go through maybe your top five drills or, or practice methods for people listening in that you would, you would suggest that are kind of like the bread and butter, uh, for them to work on? Well, I just got seven. So, um, that's what I meant. Seven. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You said five and I'm thinking, oh, no, hell they all important. I can't throw in now. Uh, uh, number one, we do a, a, a stance drill. Simply getting your shoulders lined up with target, you know, on a blank bail. You, you don't even need to shoot this. Get the head set in position. You, you can't move the head in and out because it's simple minute angle. If you move it 20,000 further to the right, that meant that arrow is pointed to the left. You know, and I'm talking about right-handed shooters. So you have to control that. And you obviously, you control the head real well. And I've actually watched some videos and you do. You know, you do the same way. So we've got to get in that place. Um, and, um, you know, drawing the bow. I teach everybody in the clinic, you know, that, that can't that head over wide open. Well, it creates stress. You're moving the rear there, but can you actually move it the same way all the time? You know, and I tell them this is, you know, we're designed to be upright and relaxed. And you never see anybody walking down the road their head over like they were shooting a bow, except crackheads, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of but, those. But anyway, just picking a little bit. Gnawing but at their that, teeth and scratching their face. <laughs> right, yeah you, don't, yeah, you don't get that, right. So, um, you know, you, you set up a stance where you're drawing that bow without change. You know, you stance, and of course... You, you know, you never won't be anything. This is going to be hard to do on a podcast. Really past where I believe where they're, say, right-hand shooter, right foot's behind the left. 
but you can be slightly open or, or you know, or, or square works really well for most people. You know, square is a problem if you've got big, big round chest, you start slapping yourself slightly open, it gives you a little bit more clearance. But, the, you know, the biggest thing is, is, is get those shoulders lined up, learn how to do that, you know, the same way every time. And if you, if you got, uh, anybody to help, all they gotta do is lay a, uh, arrow shaft on, on both shoulders and the scapula and then show you where your shoulders are aimed. You know, they, they just need to be parallel to where you're actually aiming the bow. Same, same general direction. Parallel. Um, and then we got bow hand drill. You know, how to set the hand where it's really efficient. Um, and you, you do the drill and you, you know, how many people you ever seen swear they don't grab the bow and they grab it every shot? You know, they anticipate every shot, you know, yeah, and they say, I don't do that. So, right. So if you set up a, a drill to where you've got total focus, visual and mental on how you set that bow hand and how it reacts, how do you react? How does the bow react? Because the bow always tells you what it wants to do. When that bow jumps straight to target and comes right back, that's as good as it gets. You know, the bow tells you. And, um, so we set that drill, and, and once we say, I, I try to get everybody to do 10 reps each drill for 21 days, a minimum 21 days, and I tell everybody if you're stubborn, it takes a lot longer, but minimum 21 to where the bow hand reacts the same way because we set it, and now we can see how it does. If we got the bow hand, if we're too far inside on it, you watch the bow, and it rotates to the left. If we're too far outside, the bow takes. Rotates to the right, so we're talking the bow each shot. So we've got to get that neutral place, and a, a lot of grips, you know, are, are not designed to really shoot. They're terrible. So I, I was always notorious for carrying a horseshoe rasp in my back pocket for about two weeks till I got them right. You know, that that and is one thing I finger. do the same same deal. Talk a little bit more about that. Cause I get asked, cause I, I have everybody build me a custom grip and you've got a, you, right. you've got a Jenkins grip. Talk about that and how important it is. Well, it, it's just, it's made for the majority of people to get their hand in a good position and it's got a slight cant to the right to the rear of the bow and that promotes rotating that wrist toward your solid on the thumb pad all the way there and with the fingers at a 45 degree angle. On the, on the bow hand. So it just promotes, it makes it easier to do that. You know, uh, and, and talking more about grips, most, uh, a lot of, and, and they're getting a lot better, but used to, a lot of grips, they slope to the left real hard. So people would say, well, with wool gloves, I slide around, which you do. Or if it's hot and sweaty, like here it's 90 degrees of bow season, your hands sweaty. So the answer has always been, well, let's put a, a beaver tail grip on it or wrap it with leather or uh, maybe checker it or put a little apron, you know, to make it to where you've got more grip. So you didn't change how the grip was actually shaped. You just got a better grip on it. So now you can torque it more is all you're doing. You, you've got a, a, a cheater bar, a torque multiplier. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Right, because if if the hand's trying to slide off the grip, well, having more grip means you can just torque that bow more. So it's 
So the grip needs to be shaped to where it 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 sets a hand in place and it doesn't slide one way or the other. And the big key is that most people don't do is none of the hand past the lifeline should be on the grip. So my grips have generally got a little sharper edge on the left side to where you just set it in the lifeline, boom, and your, your knuckles are the 45, and it's you can repeat it every time. Because if you change that grip from one shot to the next, you're right and left. Just you know, you don't know which which way it's really going, where it's going. Gotcha. Yeah, and it just back to everything I do in archery. If it doesn't serve a purpose, don't do it. You know, so wrapping it up with leather, it really doesn't serve a purpose other than screwing up the shot. So don't do that. Gotcha. So, so after the grip, going back to the to the drills, I just want to make sure you hit on the grip. Sure. And, and then you know the, the uh, fingers on the string, taking time how you set the fingers on the string. You know, uh, it it at least at least uh, deep at least the first joint. You know, you can get a little deeper in the second joint, but you want to be in a joint instead of the meaty part of the hand, because now under the tension of the string, it it forms a, a rut. Now it has to jump out of that plus the one you, you know, a tab or glove shooter actually has a pretty good groove. So now you're making that string deflect to come out of that. So you're increasing that S path flat all the way to. So at least in, in taking time to set it exactly the same place on the string. Y'all all seen guys that just somehow throw their fingers on the string and pull it back and shoot it. Well, if you get a little deeper one time and you come to anchor, that means the rear of the string is to the right. And however you were tuned now is to the right, so you miss left. If you get a little bit more shallow next time, well, it's coming closer to the face. So the rear of the air from where you tuned is further left, so now you're missing right. So it pays to have those right. You know, it's like I said, you just touch a bow in two places. You bow hand and where you put your fingers on the string, it, it pays to have those correct. So we do a drill on that, how you set it and how the hand reacts, how it gets off the string, how it cleans. And, you know, and again, a, a camera is wonderful for that. Uh, and speaking of filming, uh, back when I was younger, we, we would die. I mean, uh, mortgage away our firstborn to have some film time, but they wouldn't anything but 16 millimeter film then. And it was very expensive to have good film, buying film and all that, and just didn't have it. Now everybody's got an iPhone with slow motion on it, and they don't use it. It's insane to make. Oh, I use the living shit out of it. It's I'm, a, right. I'm, I'm an iPhone. <laughs> well, the thing yeah. that people have to understand with slow-mo in an iPhone, it doesn't lie. You can't, you, you, <laughs> when you look at it, you can't get, there's no way around it. You got visual proof of what you need to work on. And so that's why I'm such right. a huge believer. Even if it's aero flight, my hand, my form, you know, tension, right. Slow-mo doesn't lie. I mean, it, you can't get out of it. No, it doesn't. And I wrote an article a long time ago about bow hunters were the biggest liars on earth. They lie to themselves every day. What they think they're doing is nothing even close in and even coaching, like doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, how many times I've got my phone out and took, a, you know, just a little video of a guy that swears he's not collapsing three inches every shot, you know. And it, he's telling the truth. He really don't think he is, but he is every shot. And, and had he been using film, he would have realized that years ago. So 
On the note of judging yardage and bow hunters are the biggest liar, if you've ever noticed a bow hunter's wife can't judge yardage, and that's because they've been telling them something six inches long is actually 12. So I'd, ag- yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah, they lied about that 12 inches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they absolutely can't because they don't know what six inches really looks like. Yeah, right? thro- throws off the yardage estimation something. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, yeah, so Fem is great. Congratulations for using it. It's, it's a good move for everyone, you know. So when, when um, it kind of as we're going through this, but talking about the film one more time, because I'm, 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 I'm realizing people don't even know they're slow-mo on an iPhone because it's a very big tuner for me as far as my Aeroflight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when I say that, the other day I posted up a group of three arrows, one laser beam, two laser beam, three tore a little right. Right, it, it came out a little stiff. Not that the arrow's technically stiff, but I plucked her a little bit, right? So... When you watch the arrow flight, and then when I have two camera angles, you will see from one, arrow one, two, and three, arrow three, you will see everything I did wrong, not just right. from the arrow flight, but from the second camera angle, you are going to see, in that case, I plucked, I came off my face real bad, which screws up the paradox or the S-curve, which makes the arrow flight abnormal. Right. And yeah. you can use that. For coming off your face, micro collapses, arrow flight, there is nothing you can't do with slow mo, and all iPhones have it, or all the up to date ones. So I, I strongly encourage people to use that. I, absolutely, you know, um, I got on Denny Sturgis one time because they they had cameras they was filming, uh, you know, masters with the masters Barbo. They, they had real deal cameras there, and. Uh, and I was talking about it, and I get back, and he wouldn't do it. And I said, that, "There's no excuse, Denny. I mean, you got damn cameras set up here in tripod. <laughs> you know. Uh, how much shit do you give Denny on a week-to-week basis? I'll constantly, but he throws it right back at me pretty hard. He got me yesterday <laughs> about something he was accusing me of doing that I wouldn't doing. But yeah, it, it's it's been that way since the start. You know. Uh, well. While we're talking about this with his drilling, you know, talking about Denny's not a, a tournament archer, um, no. and, and I don't want to interrupt you on the drilling portion, but hunting under pre- a pressure situation is a pressure situation. And guys say, you'll hear guys say that I don't shoot foam very good, but you put fur and feathers in front of me and I'm dynamite, which I find is a total lie. Uh, very, very, very few people get better with animals in front of them or in the case of tournament. Yeah. I don't shoot that well in practice, but man, give me some competition and I'm a gold medalist. That doesn't work either. Right. Yeah. When the rubber meets the road under pressure is when all the downfalls hit you. And so these drills are to assure whether it's for tournaments or hunting that you hope that if you get your game together, as far as your form and your mental control, that that transfers through in the time of, of need, because when, when you're under pressure, that's when these drills and they get, they don't get talked about that much and they get really overlooked. This is your bread and brother butter. This, this is your foundation. That's true. Number one, I'm like, I, I'm you put fur on it. I'll hit everything. Uh, they just don't have witnesses is the only thing. I <laughs> yeah. You know, they shoot just <laughs> shitty or worse, you know? Uh, but, the thing about a drill is, is 
you know, a bad habit is something you've just repeated enough that that's the way you do it. You, you know what I mean? I mean, you can try not, but until you replace a bad habit with a good habit, you're going to do the bad habit under pressure, you know. So uh, uh, doing drills enough is just to be able to replace bad habits with good, solid, you know, shot attributes. Uh, and I get guys, you know, in the clinic sometimes, everybody in there, they're not shooting tournaments, they just bow hunting, you know, and, and 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 trust me, that's the reason why I wanted to be better. I never wanted to miss another one. It hurts my soul, you know. So um, I've got a little carried away, but I don't miss many. But um, what you're drilling for is to get to where under pressure you can actually perform. So I could shoot real good in the backyard when I was a kid. I just couldn't do it under pressure. So I had to replace the way I thought and the way I drilled and learn to do drills, not just shoot all the time. Um but, but I get crap from guys, you know, the stance drill. Well, you know, I'm, I, I'm elk hunting out here, and I, I won't be able to put my feet to this level, you know, just right here. And I said, well, I get that. But what we're doing is trying to teach the, um, the subconscious of where you want your shoulders every time. And that way you can slide in on one knee trying to cut an elk off, draw the bow, and the subconscious will automatically get as close to where you taught it to be as it's possible on that angle. You know, automatically you don't have to think, now you have this angle. And that's the reason why you do, want to do drills, is to where you don't think, you just react. And I think that, um, I, I'm glad you brought that up with the, the stance and people, you know, bringing up hunting or whatever, everything's not always perfect. Sure. But the, the idea with good practice is you hope that that transfers over two to carry you through abnormal situations. So is it going to be perfect in an abnormal situation situation? Hell no, but you want it to carry you through as much as humanly possible. That's the idea behind it. Yeah. If we train for the subconscious to accept how we won't say line the shoulders up, well, it will automatically no thinking. You don't have to think, well, I need to, you know, line my shoulder. I don't have to do all this. It will automatically do those things to the best of its ability. But like you said, you know, you're on a side hill with one nose, it can't get square. But it'll do the best it can because that's the only way it knows how to do it anymore. And that, that's the whole reason we practice doing anything is where we can quit thinking and just cheat, you know. Well, you got anything else to add? You know, any words of wisdom? We about, we, we're in an hour and ten minutes, and I wasn't wanting you okay. to keep okay. you this long. So we'll we'll do the drills the next time. We'll finish up the drills the first next some sometime later. No, we can we can keep hitting it, man. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to. Um, basically, I didn't want to take up your okay. entire day. You can talk as long as you want. This is good stuff. Okay, well, we're on the drills on the bow hand. Now we need an anchor drill where we're just coming to anchor without having to move our head to try to find the anchor. We can set and come to the anchor exactly the same time. A big on anchor is is never overdraw and come back to anchor because the only way you can go past anchor and come back is by stopping pulling. And once you stop pulling, if you're using the rhomboids at the back, it takes 10 times the effort to ever pull again, and most of the time it don't get done. So you need to set up and practice your anchor where you get alignment. In other words, the elbow lining up with the the point of the elbow lined up with the point of the arrow, that's your anchor. And, you know, we've all got one. We've, some of us try to overdraw, and some of us don't go that far enough. 
but um, we, we've got got to repeat that enough, and the perfect place to do it is on the blank bail to where that's our anchor. We come to it every time. We get alignment, and no head movement, no anything we can come to anchor. It, it's that simple. And then we've got, you know, expansion drill where we're setting up and all we try to do is learn to expand, to creep that elbow around forward by, you know, by the rhomboids contracting, or right-handed shooter right, rhomboid contracting and pulling the scapula toward the center of the spine. That's all we do. And then we got a conclusion drill to where all we want to do is just after the shot breaks, allow no changes. It's that simple. Do you have a video of any of this stuff on your social media? I know. I think I looked for your Instagram. You only had a few posts on there. Are you, are you on there or do you have this information available or do you kind of just keep that for uh, your clinics? No, I don't. Uh, I'm not a great social media guy. I should be a lot better. I, I don't. We've done it in video, did it in Masters 3, done it in Roots, uh, you know, through Push, did Roots. We've got all the drills laid out on, on both of those. Uh, and um, it gives a pretty good definition of everything I'm talking about. But basically, I got a handout the sheet uh, that I do in clinics, and it's 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 made a lot of rounds now. So, um, what uh, going through what you're at step, what you've got, what is that five or six now? Where are you at? Because you said there's seven total. Seven, seven, yeah. And I may have missed one because I was in a rush, but I don't think so. So. Would you, off of what you listed, is that the, I guess, bridging down, is that the order of of the drills that you would suggest for people? Um, yeah. Okay. And then what would you, I don't want to overcomplicate this, so when, when what I try to tell people is, is don't make your strong points even stronger. That'll happen by nature. Work on your weak right. points. Um if you go out and work on your strong point all the time, all you're doing is making your weak points weaker and your strong point stronger and you still got a big gap. When, n- not saying you don't want to focus on your strong points, meaning you don't want to keep working on those, but if, if your weak point uh, might be micro collapses or your weak point is, is shoulder alignment, you know, make sure and, and focus on that thing. Or, or Again, you're the coach, but I try to – that what you want to really focus on those things to break the habits that you've had. You know, if it took you 10 years to have real bad form, you're not going to fix it in a day. You, you really want to focus on those things, whether it be filming or, or whatever, to, to break those habits. When, when people are, 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 when they come up to you and let's say they've got good stance and they've got good alignment, uh, but, they're, but, they're, but they've got a little bit of, let's say, micro collapsing going on. When somebody has like a micro collapse or you're getting them off a trigger and they've got that collapse because of a trigger, what's the first thing you do? Just because this is the biggest question I get. What's the first thing that you do to, to fix that micro collapse or that, 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 that clicker going off and micro collapse, however they do it? Um, I put them doing an expansion drill over and over again and then add right to it in the same increments. So if they've got time to do 20 drills a day, 20 expansion drills and winning conclusion drills and see that carries you past the collapse because you have to keep pulling pulling the collapse and now it's not allowing any changes there is off the boat but i i really 
I try to really try to do drills with a little bit different is with each with equal focus on each part because say for instance if I, I get a guy and they, they tend to want to do the expansion drill more than everything else so instead of doing all the drills they go outside and, and they expand they expand and they get really good at it except the subconscious still you didn't work on that bow hand it's still got doubts so I try to push everybody and you know to do all the drills to where they improve in the not only the technique but the timing of each one of those drills at the same time. So kind of float the boat from front to back, if that makes any sense. Because, you know, you get a guy real good at something or other, but the subconscious, what we actually think, it's it still got doubts. Because you had a problem to start with, and, it, and it, it it basically showed itself in this, but part of the problem was the fact that it, at the front of the, the shot sequence, it had doubts too. So I try to get the guys to do all the drills. Gotcha. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. Is there anything you want to add, um, you know, to the discussion we're having, whether it be about, uh, you know, clickers? And we didn't talk about the tournament side of this too much because I know, as I told you before the podcast, I really, you know, f- for me, this doesn't have to do with a what's legal, what's not legal. It's more of the long-term repercussions yeah. of becoming a slave to a clicker. The, yeah. the the legal yeah, and, and the mental side of it. Go ahead, excuse me. No, no, you go ahead. You're you're more important than I am. Go ahead. I, said, <laughs> I doubt that. But um, the, the problem is, uh, um, you know, a clicker is a great tool, and but the odds are you'll never ever be pull it off. And odds are, if you put it on because you had target panic and you didn't change your shot sequence or or your thinking processes the odds are overwhelmingly that it's going to come back and it's going to be a lot worse the second time. So when you talk about a lot worse, what you're basically saying is, let me put this in a dieting perspective. You go on a no-carb diet and you shed 30 pounds because you went on no carbs, and then you all of a sudden after eight months of no carbs, you decide, man, I really like carbs. You actually gain right. double the amount. Burger of- just tastes good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to gain yeah, double the amount back. Just tastes so- <laughs> right. yeah. uh, well, and cheeseburger right. too tastes so good. And the problem is, is when your body, you know, is not used to them because you've cut them out and then all of a sudden you eat them, you're probably eating twice as many as you were before and your body is going to gain that weight. Target panic is not right. a whole lot different from my experience. When it comes back, if you don't get a handle on it, it comes back like the devil. Um and, and, and it's it's it almost does. harder to to break the second go around than it. the best thing to do is not get it again. And and I've been lucky. Can can you dive into that a little bit with the target panic as far as when it comes back around the second time? Why it's worse? Well, you know the biggest thing is you found a band aid to get past it. You didn't really change the way you shot or how you executed or how your shot. You know the biggest thing with target panic is everybody starts aiming before they ever draw the bow. So the subconscious is screaming, shoot, 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 and you do it a hundred thousand times. Well, then you got a real problem, you know. Archery is the only sport in the world we try to aim before we get to anchor, you know. So, and and I, I always teach, you know, aiming doesn't start until you get anchored. You know, everything else is just calibration, setting a bow up. Imagine taking your rifle if you were trying to aim before you got a cheap well. How would that work out? You know, 
but well, that's the way we try to do it with archery somehow. And and when you um, and if if nobody's ever seen someone with a bad case of 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 target panic, you'll see as they bring the pin up uh, to the dot. The moment it comes in their sight picture, they're hitting the trigger. I've seen guys drop down on a bale at eighty yards. Uh, and literally right. the moment the pin hit the top of the bale, cause they saw that dot, they're just letting her rip. Right. That, that's Total one. Lock of control. That, yeah. Yeah. And that, that was my whole point when I was talking with Dwayne is I could give two shits what's legal and illegal. You do not sure. have an iron mind in your shot. If you have to have a clicker to fix it, because that's just one more band aid. to, to truly have control of your shot. No clicker. You know that, that that's you know kind of back to the problem is is guys get a little target panic, but hell now I see on the internet guys that don't have target panics are getting a clicker, but they never really learn to shoot the bow, how to execute, how to think about a shot, how to put it together, which muscles to use. They don't know any of that. They slap a clicker on. Well, you know now they become a clicker slave, and and some of them didn't even have a problem. But the guys with target panic put it on to, to fix it. Their problem is, is instead of changing the way they think and the way they execute and what's important to them, they got a clicker. Well, when the subconscious is going to take over and it, it's going to start circumventing the process and you're going to have target panic again, odds are. But now there's not another, there's not a clicker phase two that you can use, you know. there's nothing to fix it. So it's worse the second time. Or there's not another Band-Aid. I shouldn't have said fix it. There's not another Band-Aid. You know, I've I've had guys come in here from somewhere or another that, you know, I had several guys that come in with two clickers on the bow, you know, because they didn't fix it. You know, they still had target banning. So the first thing we do is rip both of them off and start over brand new and teach them how to shoot and how to think. The best analogy I can say for what Rod just said is if you get stuck and you go, you're in two-wheel drive and you go to four, you've just put a clicker on. If you get stuck in four-wheel drive, right. there's no more drives. You're, that's it. You, there's right. no more Band-Aids. That, that's it. <laughs> and, that's, you know, and that's, that's very true. The, the thing, you know, and I, obviously I'm going off, I get a ton of questions that people need to understand. I am not a clicker hater. It saved a lot of different things for me and, and bettered them. What I really wish I would have had is an exit strategy. And, and, and mine would have been looking back and, and, and after I bug you with this question, Rod, we'll leave you alone for the day, but I wish I would have put a clicker on one bow and I wish I would have kept a clicker off the other. I would have drilled with the clicker on, used it as a training aid and maybe gradually integrated half the course with a clicker, half without um, you know, so on and so forth. So I was gradually weaning myself for lack of explanation off of that clicker, using it for what I needed to use it for, but with an exit strategy. Yeah. Especially if a guy just going to hunt, you know, if his, his goal is just to hunt, he, he definitely needs to do that. And, and I didn't. And it, and it, what it had happened. And, and I talked to you about it at this time. And, and Randy, uh, when we were talking about scrubbing my bottom finger was, my micro collapses. Um, you, you, you could only see them in slow mo, and we're talking uh, micro, micro. But the problem is, is once the micro starts, it just gets worse. Uh, when I say micro, 
you start with a micro collapse and then Denny, if you listen to this, I'm sorry, but as I've understood, your arrow gets a lot longer as the targets go on throughout the course of the day because you're collapsing a little bit more and more and more from what, what, what Randy has told me. Now, Randy, that's Randy making fun of Denny, but I well, didn't. They, they both lie on each other pretty bad. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're they going, do. they're yeah, going, they're going hunting with me down in, uh, the Davis mountains this year in February. I'm super excited about it. I love Randy and Denny to death. And I think Marie's going too, yeah. but it, it'll be big fun. Big uh, fun. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what's good. Really. The biggest question is, is, uh, whose hat size is bigger. I, I think Randy's got Denny beat by at least a half an inch. I think he's got stretch marks on his headlamp. He's got a big old dome on him, <laughs> but that micro collapse, it starts to turn from micro to a little more to a major collapse, and it just swirls down the crapper. Now, I have heard people say if you have uh, your, your mental control of your shot that the clicker, you shouldn't have to worry about micro collapses because you should be able to pull through it, which kind of is, is right. yeah, you, you, once you get, and that's my whole point, is once you get to where – you are not micro collapsing and you're pulling through that clicker, then your next step is getting the clicker off your bow in, in like this 12 step process, like Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's where I think the big gap is in the industry. There's no exit strategy. Yeah. Yeah. The fix for the collapse, learning how to use back tension and expand and get to a conclusion. So, but once you can do that, and that's also the same way you shoot a clicker efficiently is being able to expand and get the conclusion. So if you can do that, why not just throw it away? You know, Hunt, hunting especially. Yeah, definitely hunting because that's where I just took the damn thing off for hunting because when right. I got back, I could drill at camp. And when I say drill at camp, I'll drill shooting pine cones. I'll drill at, at literally my bivy camp six, eight miles in. I'll have one judo tip. I am just, I'm not worried about anything other than just good expansion, um, you know, a good release and give me that confidence when I head out that evening or that next day, um, you know, just kind of a refresher, a warm up, a confidence builder. I'm just working on firing good shots because if you, and to put things into context, if you are one of those people that are such a slave to the clicker, if it gets pulled off during your, your going through the brush something happens that you have now jeopardized your entire hunt because you're such a mental wreck. That is exactly what I'm talking about. You are a slave to that clicker. Be like a buddy of mine was in, I think we were in Alaska, and one of those camp robber jays come over and got to fiddling with his clicker during lunch and got the knot untied and stripped the thing off, and they looked out, and the bird was flying away with the string on the clicker. You know, you're talking about panic, and now you're in serious trouble. That's horrible luck. <laughs> yeah, that is horrible luck. A bird screw up your Alaskan hunt. But, man, I yeah. as I'm saying that, I was that guy. I mean, and that's why I when people ask me, I got so paranoid when I put a bow together, I would shoot pillows in the, the, the hotel room because I wanted to get that clicker perfect to where in reality, how hard was it to just shoot my damn bow, right? Get my brace height set up and let her rip. Let's go. Where I was twisting the string and torquing it here and there and, and i'm like my god this piece of shit eight dollar piece of metal has controlled my fucking life and and it just was too it, much for it me make it, you know like i'm talking about guys that come in here and they've tried everything from target panic uh they 
they went to guys that specialize in target panic and all that. And the first thing I do is take the clicker off. And I try to teach them how to shoot the bow. And then I always tell them, hey, this clicker's not a bad deal to train with. And if you know how to shoot the bow, put the clicker on your game stuff. But it's a, if you don't know how to shoot the bow, you're going to be taking up golf or fishing or something else at some point because it's going to put you out of the game. No, definitely. Well, um, Matt Rod, we're an hour and a half. I don't want to take up uh, too much more I, of your time. You got anything I, else you want to add? No, 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 no. I've talked too much today. <laughs> well, I appreciate uh, everything you've done and, and for the archery industry as well as helping us out on here, man. And I'm looking forward to doing that clinic with you or at least listen to you make fun of me while you're doing it. Well, you know, there may be some of that. I pick on everybody if I like them. And even if I don't like them, I generally pick on everyone a little bit. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, enjoy it. And, and glad you had me. Enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I, I hope it helps some people. At least make them think of the road they headed on now. So, maybe. Definitely. And everybody tuning in, what we're talking about, I believe it's in Kansas City, isn't it? Where you're, you're doing a shooting clinic, and I'm teaching land nav and uh, some backcountry hunting yeah, type yeah. stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely sit in them for the land now because I've got when the first garment come out, I forgot everything I knew about a compass. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of like the clicker. Put the clicker on, you forget everything about a good shot. So <laughs> there you go. Well, well, it it is the same thing. We 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 tend to lean on things that we don't really need, and and that's true. I used to use a compass some, and you know, but then when the garment come out, I bought the first one I get my hands on, and then. Sooner or later, they started putting them on phones and everything else, and it's like, I don't even know where the hell my compass is anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, plan on setting through that, and that would be a fun deal with Cody and all that. So, uh, And I get to pick on Cody some, so that, it, it's yeah. all going to work out great. Cool, cool. We'll get a hold if anybody Looking wants forward to. forward to it. Yeah, me, me too. If anybody wants to attend that class, I know this, they may already actually be filled up, but get a hold of uh, Cody Greenwood with the Trad Lab, and you can get signed up uh, through him. I think what they do is they, they pay you through uh, your PayPal, right, Rod? Right, right, right. And Cody's handling all the numbers and the logistics. and uh, Yeah, and, and there's two of them, so I don't know if they're both full, but they very well may be by now. Yeah, who knows, but... Well, Rod, thanks yeah. again for coming on, man. And again, thank you for everything you've done for for archery. I don't think you get the notary that you you probably should for for what you've done for for archery and a lot of the shooters, especially obviously traditional archery. So, thanks again, man. Well, yeah, and and, the, and the, you know, a lot of times in in the in the target world, when I count out, like I think they had a world championship last weekend. I had two on it, getting two or three every time. It's seventeen now. That kind of that that validates myself in my mind, so I'm I'm pretty good with that. Well, right on, man. Well, thanks again. Have a have a good weekend, and I will I'll talk to you soon enough. Either way, I appreciate it. All right, have a good day, guys. You thanks, as man. Well, bye bye.